You know, in, in terms of like podcasts, and I feel like I'm really pitching a no hitter here. Like nothing's <laughs> getting a no hitter. You don't say. Well, I know the perfect song that's tangentially related to that segue. Take me out to the ball game, uh, which we're going to be discussing today on the Song Topsy Report, where we dissect bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died. I'm your host, Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell, and I'm witness Steve Trollinger. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Steve. Expert witness, Steve Trollinger. <laughs> hey, Mike hasn't been arrested for anything again yet. <laughs> but guys, baseball. Baseball. If there's one subject we know even less about than music <laughs> on our music podcast, it's I w- baseball. I wasn't even aware like baseball season had started until Mike let me know. Uh, yeah. It has started, right? Oh, yeah. yeah was, the Yankees been playing. The Mets been playing. I was just under the inception. Uh, under the inception. I was under uh. the inception. <laughs> I was un- <laughs> Am I still under the inception? Yeah. I mean, this is clearly a waking nightmare. Yeah. Where's my Where's my little top yeah. here? Um, I'm gonna roll up. See, we'll see if by the end of the episode it falls or not. Um, it's been spinning since we started. Uh, I was under the impression that baseball season never ended, oh. and there's it a feels preseason like that and the postseason and the series. I feel like there's two months out of the year where there is no baseball. And then it's football. <laughs> no matter what, there's always some sort of balls happening throughout. The, At least in the football, year. there's a chance someone could get hurt. Yeah. But hey, I mean, have you ever seen someone beamed by a baseball? That's ninety miles an hour. I've seen like birds get hit by flying baseballs. Like <laughs> it's very sad. They poof. <laughs> They just blow up in a bunch of feathers. It's great. <laughs> it's great. I'm, I'm not entirely certain you're not constantly on acid and believe that you are in a waking cartoon nightmare the rest of us are not privy to. That's his inception. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, one time his, I took Salvia, his, I, fell, I fell into a cartoon universe. That was pretty crazy. His inception is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. How did you know that was one of my favorite movies? Quite easily. <laughs> All right, let me let me take it back. His inception is cool world. <laughs> but no, guys. So here on the Song Tops we report once again. Our our umbrella of songs we discuss are bad, bizarre, or otherwise noteworthy music. And the song we're discussing today is, or sometimes just something Steve wants to talk about for or a just, while, or, or that, or that. It's 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 becoming its own little subgenre underneath the songs that we do. But the song that we're covering today is so ubiquitous and so ingrained into like the just the, the fabric that makes up this great country. It's as American as apple pie and institutional racism. <laughs> <laughs> yes, today we're discussing the immortal song Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which as of this year is 100 years old. Are you serious? 1908 the song came out. Oh man, that's cool. It's yeah. Not, it's not free yet though. No. <laughs> Well, it, y- yes and no. Um, you're, you're allowed to sing all of the lyrics. That's free. Uh, but the original recording of the song, uh, which we're actually going to be playing a little bit of today, uh, 2029, I believe, is when it is fully in um, the public domain. Wow. But no, so the song we're talking about, uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, it's more interesting, and there's a little bit more nuance to the history than you might originally have thought. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, that was that was not directed at you, uh, listeners. I'm looking right at Mike. I feel like a real dumbass right now. Like, 
I can't believe you would wear a tie-dye shirt and then claim that you feel like a dumbass. A tie-dye shirt that has a family seal on it, I'm noticing, that says Russell on it. You're goddamn right. Look at this dragon-ass-looking motherfucker. Like, that is like... That's, that's a tiger. Isn't he? But he's a dragon tiger. It is kind of a dragon-ass-looking motherfucker, too, though, Steve. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that big-ass tongue. That's a that's a, yeah it is kind of it's like a it's a dragon type. So baseball, <laughs> yeah, it's a baseball. Yo, uh, you know what I love about this song, Nick? What do you love about this song? Is that there's nothing quite like thousands of people in a stadium being just, bored to death at the same time. But all, but, yeah. <laughs> that is my baseball experience. But during the seventh inning stretch, Steve, that's where you stand. Oh God, up. they've been there for like five hours. <laughs> yeah. That's the moment where y'all stand up. You're like, oh god, like you're saying, because you're like, ah, oh, I've been sitting this for a few hours, and then y'all sing this song and get a little popcorn, and you sit back down, and it's just nice. See, here's the problem: baseball and hockey. Let's say hockey is an is another sport where really nothing could happen for extended periods of time like until no a, could... until a fist fight breaks out between But no, two what I mean the... at least in hockey people are like moving back and forth. It's not like everyone stand completely still in the middle of a field. One person gets to run and then maybe one other person in the outfield oh, yeah, to catch baseball the ball. is awful to watch. It wasn't even that great to play. I played baseball until I was, I think, in fifth grade. And it wasn't even that fun to play. I was terrible, though, too, so maybe that could be Were you the kid in the outfield just playing in the dirt? No, I was, I was like the laser-focused shortstop who, every time the ball came to me, I still couldn't catch it. Couldn't, couldn't get those grounders, huh? I couldn't get those grounders because you, you you have your glove down, and right when you think you got it, like it hits like a little pebble or like dirt what? mound, and it bounces past you. You're like, Whoa! I was gonna say one of the other kids on the field takes advantage of of Nick's out of control imagination, and like right before he's about to catch the grounder, he yells, "Nick, the floor is lava!" Oh, oh no! Oh no! Ah. Uh. I was awful at baseball, man. I you was don't so say. bad. I, like, I, when I played, I thought you'd be good though. You're pretty tall. You're pretty athletic. But I played as a kid, right? It was before the growth spurts. Before I was a man, you know, and I was just a little fat boy. And and I, would, you're a little fat boy. <laughs> say it. Say it. Um, you're for me, and I feel like for most kids, the favorite part is where you get to run around the bases. Like that's where, oh, you're, yeah. that's where you're like scoring points. That's it's what you're so doing. boring that any movement is like the most exciting part of the My game. My favorite part is the ices afterwards. <laughs> the what? The ices afterwards. Oh, the ices. Oh, yeah. I was going like to say, what, what, yeah, what jihadist yeah. game do you play where ISIS is waiting for you at the end? <laughs> As you cross home base, you're beheaded. <laughs> oh, my God. Man, how how far in this episode are we? <laughs> this is an innocent story of my childhood, and this, now we're talking about beheading. This is what I. This is exactly what I was worried about earlier. I was telling Nick while we were waiting for Mike for an hour was <laughs> was was all right. We're gonna we're let's do an episode about baseball. There's absolutely nothing that can go wrong. Cut to twenty minutes into it. Baseball is a perfect metaphor for how Donald Trump is destroying <laughs> yeah. this country. But uh. no, the whole point of a song like Take Me Out to the Ball Game is you strip baseball of all of those references. You strip it of all of its metaphorical ties to other things. This is just this is a song that is simply about the enjoyment of the game. And as we will uh discover today, you for the most part, you the listener have probably only ever heard the chorus. There are verses to this which introduce actual characters what? who are part of the song. Yeah. So, like Benedict J. Baseball, <laughs> Johnny Mounds, Johnny. Bernice Batting Cage, and Lil Peggy Shortstop. 
No, so um, what we have pulled up is the original. It's not. It's technically not the original, but it is the oldest known recording of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," recorded in 1908, performed by Edward Meeker. Um, here's a little bit of the course. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. <laughs> Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes around at the old ball game. Oh, classic. Wow. Love it. Oh, who knew that is so... She, the girl wanted to go to the baseball game. Yes. So, well, we'll get into who that young lady is. But a uh, little bit of a history of the song, because actually, this was much more interesting than I thought it would be. The history of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. So, as I mentioned, uh, originally written in 1908, with lyrics uh, by Jack Norworth and music by Albert Von Tilzer, and has become the unofficial anthem of baseball. Oh, it's, the, it's unofficial. Yeah, there's no... They play it at every stadium. Exactly. Why, why is there... I don't, uh, yeah, the official one is We Will Rock You by Queen. Oh. <laughs> also played at every single baseball stadium. That's a good point. Now, S- Steve, your eyes lit up a little bit. I saw them twinkle. They were aglow when you saw that this was a Tin Pan Alley song. Yes. Yes, I did. Implying that you knew what Tin Pan Alley was. I'd heard the term. But I didn't really know much about it until. I, 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 don't, I don't remember much. I know it has. it, it was a... Um, it was the it was a it was a phrase that described a certain section of New York. Yep, uh, where um, music occurred. <laughs> I mean, essentially, what? yes. Yeah. Tin Pan Alley. Tin Pan Alley in the early twentieth century. It, yeah, it was in the back of my head, but I, I only kind of kind of remembered what it was. Well, so the area that it, it encompasses actually is um, West Twenty Eighth Street between Fifth and Sixth Avenue. Uh, in the early nineteen hundreds, it was just a hotbed of music composers and lyricists and performers all playing and apparently did not look very great back then but you should see it today it still looks like shit in fact i took here's here's a google map street view of uh what it looks like right now it's one of those places where it's all like sim cards and like electronics construction and shops construction scaffolding oh. that's been there for five years exactly and no, no, ever seems stra- working like on scaffolding it. the adult dvd movies which i never understand how those people can afford the rent i tell you there's there's gotta be oh selling. rent controlled i'm sure i'm sure that i'm sure they th- those are generations of smut movie salesmen you know how your grandmother's been in the same apartment since 1943 and she'll never leave until she's dead it's like that but with pornography yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like my father's 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 father and sell me some dirty DVDs. Yeah, just like your great-great-grandfather did. Yes. Can you imagine, like, passing down the business to your your offspring? Like, all right, kids. Someday all (laughs) this will be yours. What about that shadowy spot? That's the jerk-off booth. You must never go there. (laughs) Never go there. You know, it's... It's actually kind of ironic and funny that you guys mention uh, smutty DVD salesman. Oh, that's uh, not ironic. That happens every day. (laughs) Well, no, because uh, Tin Pan Alley, even though all this like hoity-toity, jolly-go-lucky music came out of it, um, it did have a little bit of a seedier underbelly. Uh, In fact, from uh, the failing New York Times, quote, the way things worked back then is that the companies where the songs were written would compete to lure performers in to hear them played uh, by house musicians who were called pluggers. So the music companies had a symbiotic relationship with nearby theaters along Broadway and 6th Avenue where the songs were performed. 
Um, and at the time, the theater's musicians needed material and the song companies needed customers, so they grew together. But the fun part is, as one example, uh, Harry Von Tilzer, who was the older brother of the person who composed Take Me Out to the Ball Game, was a songwriter uh, whose company was based on 42nd West 28th Street, and they would occasionally try out new songs in the brothels that populated the nearby area. That was how they play-tested their music, apparently. <laughs> so, so they're like, all right, got to see if, uh, if this music's really going to put everyone in the mood, you know? This is some mood-making music, some love-making music, or, or it's going to be shit, and then everyone stops having sex, and then they realize that they, um, they got to work Tweak, make a few tweaks. But can't you imagine, like, you know, little little smoky ambiance and some red curtains. There's a beautiful woman in front of you. She sashays in closer, and then you hear... Well, it's one, two, three, strike, you're out at the old... Oh, my God, this is the hottest song ever. Ugh. Yeah, because there's no correlation in terms of baseball terminology and sexual terminology. But that didn't exist in 1908. I'm sure they thought they were the most innovative people ever. He's like, wait a second. How did... What did... I, let me challenge you, Steve. What do you think they called getting to third base before baseball existed? Uh, getting to the third uh, base held by the Spanish in Cuba during the Spanish. Oh, the literal, War. the literal third base. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was difficult, and I'm sure that this song was very appreciated by anyone who was looking to make sexual references. I'm just. <laughs> Where would pervs be today without the great game of baseball? <laughs> but now, in regards to the specific song, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, uh, this quote is taken from the Library of Congress, where this song is enshrined. Um, until Lil Pump gets there, I think this will be the first song that we, first and only song that we do that has been enshrined by the Library, the Library of Congress. Library of Congress, where I'm sure there are many uh, written examples of lewd conduct and sexual acts done by various members of Congress yes. years. There is, I guarantee there's a porn section at the Library of Congress <laughs> hidden in the back somewhere. All those dirty old men for like a hundred oh. years just writing down their sexual conquests. Actually, yeah, you gotta think, like, over hundreds of years. Like, yeah. it, in the beginning, it must have been doing some weird stuff like that. I'm sure it's run by the son of that guy who had that mom and pop smut shop in New York City. <laughs> yeah. I made it, Dad. I'm in the big leagues. The Library of Congress. The Library of Sexual Congress. <laughs> Moving on. I feel like that should have started. <laughs> should have been the start, not the end. <laughs> yeah. From the Library of Congress, quote, For over 50 years, there has been a quasi-official history of baseball's anthem, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Because this song, as I said, uh, was written by Jack Norworth, who, and this was the shocking thing that I hadn't known, neither the lyricist nor the composer had seen a baseball game when they wrote Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Yeah, they know just as much about baseball as I do. Which is why we are exactly qualified to be talking you know, about so, this. So how does that happen? Like, how do you decide? Oh, Have you heard the lyrics before, Mike? Well, Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Well, <laughs> I guess it's all rather vague. Root, root, root for the home team, so you can't be wrong, because it works in every city. It does. And they're like, one, two, three strikes. But <laughs> you're out. Yeah. It's not like the song. It's not like the song delves deeply into the specifics of the game of baseball. Which, ironically enough, is why I think it's such a universally appealing song. Did Cracker Jack pay them? I'll get to that later. Oh, that is. Oh, I, I'm oh, I'm sniffing out something here. <laughs> I think it's your own bo. I, I do. I do stink. I ran here. Well, I Ubered and then I ran up the stairs. Yes. From a bus to a train to an Uber to running, yeah. you took almost every mode of transportation you could take to get here. 
but no, from Library of Congress, uh, a quote from Jack Norworth, he said, he claimed he scribbled the words on an envelope after seeing a sign on the subway that read, quote, baseball today, polo grounds. But literally, you know, these were just two scrappy songwriters who were looking to like, you know, just churn out, because essentially that was how you did it. You would um, churn out a little Tin Pan Alley jam. Hopefully it would get picked up by performers and musicians. You start making in royalties. Um, and this song uh, kept both of them uh, financially stable for most of the rest of their lives. So the song was written in 1908. By 1910, the song was a massive national sensation. But as we alluded to earlier, uh, you have most likely, dear listener, only ever heard the chorus of the song. But there are verses to the song which shed more light on uh, the game, I suppose you could argue, from the people who had never actually seen a game. Uh, but it, act- it, it adds named characters to the song. When you, hear, when you hear the line, take me out to the ball game, that is a person actually crying that out. And that person is Katie Casey. Katie, it, Katie Casey? Her name is Katie Casey. She's a fictional character who... Loves baseball more than anything else in the goddamn world. Wow. She related to Casey at bat in any way? I don't think so. The poem, Casey at bat? Casey Kasem was the first thing that came to mind. That's all I was thinking about when you said that, Katie Casey. Counting down the hits, the hits from baseballs. (laughs) But uh, let's actually hear a little bit from uh, Edward Meeker singing the lyrics by Jack Norworth talking about Katie Casey. Me out to the ball game, sung by Edward Meeker, Edison Records. Katie Casey was baseball mad, had the fever and had his bat. Just to root for the hometown through every zoo, Katie Blue. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. I, I, you know what? I fucking knew as soon as I read that lyric. Okay, Mike's gonna laugh because it said Casey, Katie Blue. You said they played this in a brothel to start with. That's hilarious. I don't know if this original song specifically they did, but it's a Tin Pan Alley song. Oh, what else up. are they gonna? So be yes, that it? line was Katie Casey was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad, just to root for the hometown crew every Sue, Katie Blue. Now, what a Sue is, Mike... So it's, a, it's, an, it's a man! No, it's, it's, a what? It's, a what? It's, it's a unit of French currency. <laughs> yes, it was kind of like a colloquial term for currency. But I will say, in later versions, uh, Jack Norworth actually changed the lyrics, I think in the 40s, so that it says, every cent Katie spent. Because he knew, like, immature-minded people like you would be like, <laughs> fucking blue. Listen, it's played in a also, brothel. Sue is money. It's played at baseball games. Also, I think, anatomically speaking, it's impossible for Katie to blow Sue. Well, no, that's not totally true, Steve. No. I mean, let's. Uh, that's why I asked you because I figured yes. you'd know the answer. Well, well, listen. I mean, I'm not a professional in lesbian. How did culture. I know at the beginning of this episode <laughs> that this would devolve into sex? Uh, how did you? You're saying how did you not know that at some point in this show, Mike would say the line, "I'm not a professional lesbian" about the song "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." Why didn't you just assume that was going to happen? No, Mike, tell us. I know you're not a professional, but in your educated opinion. Listen. <laughs> the whole point I wanted, to do, I wanted to do this episode today was because the one for next week was going to be very sex-heavy, and I wanted to avoid it. Okay, all right. You know what? You know what? 
Let's just say. It's partially my fault as well, I know, but I'm just saying. I'm going to share gonna, a little bit of the blame. I'm going to forget that you know Nick said this song was played in a brothel, and it has the words Katie Blue every Sue in it. So, all right, great. Let's let's just... <laughs> See, I, I literally only saw that as an interesting historical annotation to that, that, that so many Tin Pan Alley songs that are just like universal little, little you know, jams that anyone can appreciate had their origins in such a seedy location. I th- I think you could argue. I think what you could even write you could you could write a thesis paper about how all of the classic American songs, if you boil them down to their core, had some kind of sexy, dirty undertone to them, which I think is interesting. I don't. I also find it very interesting. <laughs> but I'm. Getting... You find it interesting in the sense, like I wonder what Sue looks like while she's being blown. <laughs> but the start this medium there's there's a medium article written about Katie Casey. Uh, and there's a quote from it that says, quote, uh, Take me out to the ball game was Katie's well-known reply, but in 1908, a woman at a ballpark rooting and cheering was neither a common sight, nor was it fully accepted. Take me out to the ball game advertises just the opposite, that a woman's place was indeed at the grandstand at a ballpark and not just safe at home. Because at this point, baseball was very popular, um, and you would see women at baseball games, apparently, but it was not necessarily like, Common practice, mm. like you know, painted trollops. There's a lot of them. <laughs> Get them out of there, Steve. Why would you have been right at home, like a little top hat with one of those like white and red striped sh- like suits and a cane for some reason, saying, "Get these trollops out of here. This is no place for a woman. <laughs> this is a baseball game where men go to see other men in tight clothing hit balls with sticks, heaving and sweating as they stand in the blazing sun." Man, there was just no way. There was just no way we were going to do an episode to act as corollary to next week's episode. Like, Steve, I think it's I think it's I think it's very progressive of you to assume that a lot of the men back there were just closeted homosexuals yeah. who were who were in deep denial in a time where they couldn't be open. Yeah. But so what the song also contributed in doing was uh making baseball a universally appealing game. This is not this is not a sport just for men to watch. It is not a gentleman's club. It is a place where everyone can go because because this was also a time at this point where they were realizing the value of uh, watching sports and you know getting involved in social activities outside of your home. So baseball kind of struck at just the right moment, and then this song came out also at just the right moment that kind of helped build momentum and solidify baseball as an American pastime, as Steve mentioned, uh, as true as apple pie and institutional racism. Yeah, everyone everyone could go and enjoy the game of baseball. Absolutely everyone. Yes. Certainly no... Nobody was exempted. There are from certainly this in no any way. glaring omissions. Or play. Anyone could play the game of baseball <laughs> if they wanted to. Cause it's one, two, no blacks allowed at the old, old ball game. game. Bum, bum. <laughs> oh my god. That's history, Mike. Oh, oh that you didn't know those were the original lyrics. Yeah, that's beautiful, Steve. I'm glad that <laughs> we can choose our next parody song we write to be <laughs> to include those lyrics. That's <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Get that painted whore out of the stands. She belongs in the kitchen with dishpan wet hands and it's root. Root, root for the home team. Roger and Hammerstein proudly presents Get That Painted Whore Out of the Grandstands, the new baseball jam that is sweeping the nation. Because it's one, two, they don't get to vote at the old <laughs> ball game. game. 
Yeah, women women got the right to be socially accepted at a baseball game before they had the right to vote. <laughs> hey, baby steps. Do you know you just got to yeah. take it one day at a time? I did read that uh, Jack Norworth. Uh, first off, he was married five times. Um, but wow, yes. I mean, but he his, his second wife loved hockey. His third wife polo. His fourth <laughs> wife football. No, I was I was I was gonna say um, he, he was involved with many suffragettes and also supported the suffragette movement. So so you know, hey, nothing makes you a bigger feminist than marrying multiple all sorts of ladies. You know what I mean? You think so? <laughs> Would you not? Uh... I'm sure when he divorced all those women too, that they all got completely fair settlements that made sure they were well cared for for the rest of their lives. Well, a lot of them were actually performers as well, so they were in some degree able to support themselves. Because they were strong, independent women. Yes, who didn't need no man. And that's what Take Me Out to the Ball Game is all about. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> well, no, so we, we heard a little bit of the first verse. We know that um, Katie is baseball mad. She <clears throat> just loves the game. And when she, doesn't get, when she doesn't get what she wants, which is her boyfriend to take her to a baseball game, she starts screaming at him. And what she's screaming at him is the chorus to the song that you've heard all these years. So let's, let, let, let's go back a little bit and let's go into that uh, lead up. On a Saturday, her young boy called to see if he'd like to go to see a show. But Miss Kate said, no, I'll tell you what you can do. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Because he said, do you want to go to a show? And she's like, no, I don't want to go to a show. I want you to... Take me out to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. Call it one, two, three. We love Jim Crow at the old ball game. <laughs> Steve, listen, we we all know that institutional racism was and still is a thing, uh, but I don't feel like in every avenue of social life they just tried as hard as they possibly could to work in every reference to their inherent racism. Are you sure, white millennial Nick from the future? Are you absolutely sure that you could tell me with absolute certainty? Steve, I'm just trying to protect you from when this quote is isolated yeah. when you try to run for public office. Thank you. <laughs> trying to frame it in something resembling a contemporary context. Well, it's what's it's what's fun to me, funny to me about the about that part of the song is is the notion. Uh, do you want to go out to a show? She says, "No, I want to go to a ball game." And I mean, and unless you're talking maybe New York, Los Angeles, or Chicago, there's probably more likely a baseball field in your town than there is a theater. And what does that say about America? I don't know. Artists, I think it says something. It says artists have always been the freak show monsters that they have been in the past and continue to be to this day. At the University of Albany, where both myself and Mike Russell went to school, uh, while I was in school with my uh, theater minor, uh, they cut the theater department oh, at remember, my school. I remember While that. simultaneously investing $18 million in the uh, football stadium where the Giants practice. Well, yeah, that's how they make their money. I know it's how and they make their I don't money. Know if you it's notice, not from I don't education. Know, I don't know if you know this, Nick, but higher education is all about making that dollar-dollar bills, It y'all. certainly is. It's all for profit, just like education should be, just like health care should be, just like 
politicians should be. I'm sending my kids to vocational school, man. Learn the trade. Learn the, learn the college is just a big old party. But That's- daddy, I want to be a nuclear physicist. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Plattsburgh. You're going to be a plumber and you're going to like it. I love that you're gonna gonna st- my child's name is Plattsburgh. You're going to yes. stick that hand in someone's toilet and you're going to make $500 every time you do it. <laughs> Mike, you, first off, you realize if you do have a child, you have to name them Plattsburgh. I have to. And then when he or she is old enough, because uh, I, th- I think Plattsburgh is gender neutral, when he or she is old enough, you have to play all these episodes we've done where we've already predicted this poor child's life. <laughs> you know what? Though? At least it's a glimpse in the future. But you can change the future. You can fight it. Or is it like one of those uh, self-proclaiming prophecies? Self-fulfilling prophecies? Self- <laughs> it, could be, it could be that. Um, well, we won't find out until you have that kid, Mike. Oh man, I gotta find, I gotta, I gotta find a baby bus. To, to start. A, a baby? Bus? Wait, what? Did you say a baby bus? A baby bus? They don't ride the bus, Mike. They're not old enough. I was gonna say baby box to put one in, but baby, baby box. box. I heard baby box. I thought I heard baby box. I, I know my boss. I meant baby maker. I don't know. Baby is box. Like, is baby box a woman? Is this like the Yanny Laurel thing? <laughs> I hear box. You hear bus. Although, Mike, you, you brought up earlier uh, Cracker Jacks. Yes. So the weird thing is Cracker Jacks um, were a very popular snack uh, since the Chicago World Fair, I believe, uh, where nothing tragic happened. Nothing bad happened. Certainly a mayor wasn't assassinated and dozens of women were brutally killed. In a murder castle. Oh, I thought you guys were going to talk about when that cow kicked over that candlestick and like set the whole place on fire. No, that was the Great Chicago Fire. That was like 20 or so years before the World's Fair. Oh shit! But regardless, <laughs> I, thought we, I thought we were just talking about like Chicago horror stories. I just love the ones that involves a cow. <laughs> yeah, compared to the murder, the cow is really the one that stands out. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, Cracker Jacks were popular since the Chicago Fair. They were a popular snack, but they weren't really associated with baseball. And I and f- from what I've gleaned, I think that Jack Newworth really just needed a word to rhyme more easily. So he said, buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if they ever get back or if I ever get back. I think he just literally just chose that. And then after that, Cracker Jacks became synonymous with baseball. Cracker Jack sales went through the roof. They became the default snack that you always had at a baseball game. So I actually, on your note of self-fulfilling prophecy, this song was actually kind of that in regards to Cracker Jack sales. Wow. And they probably didn't have to pay anything for that. Hell no, they didn't. That was free advertising for them. Can you imagine? Oh, man. Uh, but after that, there is an entire second verse. Once again, all about I Katie. read ahead to the second verse, and I already know the parts that Mike is going to giggle like a five-year-old boy about. Oh, Let's I'm, find out together. I'm excited. Again, this is kind of solidifying she's an independent woman. She's calling out the umpire on his bullshit. If he's making a bad call, she's like, boo, bad call. She's like every mom now at a Little League game today. 
I, she was the prototype. Those are the best people at baseball games. Really? Well, think about it, you, you guys. You've obviously never sat in front of one. You obviously. I, he's been that person. You got it. You get. Well, yes, of course. Are you kidding me? I screamed my head off the entire baseball game. I even like. I love wearing face paint, even if it's the wrong colors. It doesn't matter. I just like. You gotta get decked out. But the thing is, like you guys are saying, baseball games are mighty boring, right? Mm. It's the crowd that makes the event. You know, it's the wave. You know the wave of baseball. I do know okay, the wave. I love doing when you start the wave. You're like, you just sprint down like the stadium. You get yelled at by security, but then the wave starts and it goes around like five times. Thousands of people start doing it just because you started it. Like it's an amazing thing. It's how riots start yeah. and cults <laughs> yes. and cults. You know, I I just think you know you guys say cults. I just say. You know, people becoming, you know, together as one. I will like, say, I, I oh, well, that made it less cult. <laughs> yes, that made it less. It's cult-y. not a cult. It's about seeking symbiotic, symbiotic unity as one before we are embraced by heaven's gate. It's about becoming a hive mind, <laughs> one mind, one one heart, clear sports. <laughs> yes. All right, but Katie calls out the umpire. Oh, Good for Katie. He's already giggling. You were right. right. (laughs) Though to be fair, I thought he was going to start giggling at the part where she said she knew all the players' first names. I I, well, it did run through my mind. (laughs) But Mike was very restrained and didn't say anything. (laughs) Okay, she made the game. Well, no, so I, I didn't. I, I intentionally didn't finish that. So just to cheer up the boys, she knew exactly what to the do. The boys, he knew. He made the gang sing this song. Take. See, she got everyone involved in singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. That is how she cheered up the boys. She got everyone involved in singing a song that, in the context of the song, she just made up. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, everyone sing. Sing what? You're Take just... me up. What? Take me ball game. Uh. But that's how assertive she was. Now, you know what? I'm going to keep it clean. I'm just going to keep it clean. I'm not oh, gonna... now, now you are. We're like 45 minutes uh, in. Yeah, well... <laughs> what? Who's Sue? <laughs> but now, I- I'm, of, I'm of two opinions on the verse kind of disappearing. On the one hand, the chorus is the most memorable part, so it makes sense. But on the other hand, they cut out every part of the song in which a woman was like, a presence at the game, an assertive, and like seemingly a distinct character that has been struck from history. Well, not struck from history, but like at any baseball game, you're never going to hear that part. Nobody would know how to sing it. Oh, wait, do we nobody would? Nobody would know you the mean, verse if you they mean started like the second verse of the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> exactly. Nobody knows the second verse of the Star Spangled Banner. Nobody knows the first and second verse of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. They only uh, know the chorus. Well, it's because they don't play the whole song. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. They don't play the whole. They don't play the part that actually inserts a woman. That's the song being about a, a woman at a baseball game. Yeah. Usually after the chorus, it just sort of like blends right into another one bites the dust. <laughs> Every song ends up becoming at another the one bites old the... ball game. Katie knew what to do. But the chorus, I, I, to me, I think it makes total sense why this song became so popular. Because it, it, it's popular because it doesn't reference any specific team. It doesn't reference any specific location or gender. It is as, it is as neutral as it can possibly be. It is simply about the experience of being at a ball game. It is the song equivalent of John Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Oh. What a what a what a deep cut. <laughs> oh my god. It is in a, it is uh inoffensive. It is qualified at foreign policy. It is boring to listen to. This song ran for president in 2004 with John Edwards as a running mate. Uh, oh, Johnny. Johnny boy. John. Johnster. Johnny E. He was probably at that brothel where they were first hearing the song. Well, we got our John Edwards reference out and take me out to the ball game. Uh, man, I was sweating. But, I mean, those are the two verses of the song. The, it goes back into the chorus again. That is essentially Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which uh, there's just one last little bit uh, that I thought was kind of fun. Um, I was going to say, did we, did we talk shit about this song at all today? Listen, I don't. There, there's nothing really bad about this song. other than the, like, so, Except for the fact that, you know, Katie Casey is... <laughs> is, it, is a cheap painted lady? Is that what you're about to say? <laughs> the, you, the, your words, Steve, not, not, not mine. <laughs> Yeah, Steve, you're hung up on the painted woman. She, she gets around is what you want to say? Listen, she really, when she needs to see a baseball game, she gets to a baseball game. No doubt. I mean, that is that is true. She, like, barreled her boyfriend over to be like, no, I don't want to go to a show. I want to go to a baseball game. Uh, but there was, I, I couldn't find the audio of this, but uh, on September 3rd, 1908, there was a uh, Phonograph Edison recording review, which is essentially like, like before a new song plays, they'll almost, like, give like give it a little bit of an introduction and um it's just it's just so adorable it was just such a simpler time uh steve i was wondering if you because i feel like you've got a good old-timey voice uh that italicized paragraph this is how the song was first introduced on the radio um on an edison phonograph the baseball hit of the season a home run at least katie casey is a true blue dyed in the wool baseball fan and can give her big brothers pointers on rooting for the home team She'd rather munch peanuts on the bleacheries than caramels at a matinee, uh, which is uh, saying a good deal for a girl. Meeker must have taken Katie to a game or two, judging from the interest he takes in singing about her. The tune is a jolly infectious one, and you can get every word. Which you can't say about contemporary rap songs, <laughs> guys. You know what's you know what's beautiful about this. <clears throat> and now I many things. And actually, I don't even feel I don't have to feel guilty saying this because it's. But the English language is a beautiful language. You know why? Um, because I give in, it a B minus. In different countries, um, different words mean different things. Yes. And in Australia, now I studied abroad in Australia. How was she? And do you know what root means? What does root mean? Root means to fuck. Yeah. So when you're root, root, root for the home team, and she knows exactly how to cheer these boys up and make sure they win. First, first of all, they don't play baseball in Australia. Secondly. <laughs> they, they play cricket. It's a totally different sport. <laughs> That's a, Mike, sit here right now and explain the rules of cricket to me. Go ahead. All right. So first of all, you got to get at least 48 hours in your schedule ready for one game because you never know how long it's going to take, Okay. Next, you got to get about 11 to 15 dudes per team, and they got a, squ- a squash, okay? And they're standing in the middle, and they pitch it, and they got this big old bump paddle, and they boom, 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 and they hit it out, and then uh, you run. It's kind of like baseball, but it takes way longer. <laughs> and you get about 50, I think you get about like 90 pitches a game. Yeah. God, have you ever gotten like a sudden migraine? <laughs> Do they come on suddenly? I don't think I've ever had that before. 
Well, I suppose the way to bookend this would be to say that uh, the lyricist and the songwriter composer, well, so the composer, Tilzer, uh, apparently, it's semi-unconfirmed, but apparently he did die without ever seeing a baseball game. Why? I don't know. No, you know what? I hate him. No, nah, he's one of those guys. He's what? one, of, he's those one fucking, of what guys? He's one of those fucking people. You know, you those, know those fucking people. hipsters. These are people who he are wears like, the baseball t-shirt, but he's never seen them. Exactly. And you know what? And he does it for a point. He does it for a reason because he wants to be special. He wants to be like, oh, I've never seen a baseball game, and I wrote a baseball song, and now for a point, I'm never gonna see a baseball game. Not that I don't want to see a baseball game, but just because I want it to be. Wait, this how day. do you know he went out of his way to not see a baseball game? Because he. He, wrote- he was a composer. It wasn't his job to like see. Th- that was the just like song- a weekend's paycheck for him. No, that song blew up. You know he was getting all sorts of free tickets to games. People were like, yo, come see a baseball game. Hey, you composed the ba- you composed hey, the biggest shit. Come song. See a baseball game. <laughs> yeah, he is a piece of shit. You wow, the the guy who wrote the American how do you classic- not support Americans uh, uh, the American sport? In this country, and you're gonna make this song for this game, and you're and you for your own weird reasons aren't gonna go see one game, just so you can die and say I never saw a baseball game. That's what he did. And you know what? Part of I can respect as like you know what, like I, I like I like holding. I don't know, but like well, the, the li- uh, North the lyricist, um, like twenty some odd years after, did see a baseball game. He was like seventy, but he did see a baseball game. And I bet he got to throw the first pitch. I don't know if they. I don't know if. He oh, well, if he if he didn't get to throw the first pitch, then baseball. If they had is, the baseball, and, he wouldn't have known what to do with it because he'd never seen a game before. Uh, I only know how to root for the home team. <laughs> with with the Cracker Jacks, that's all I know. Like, <laughs> Steve, you look like you got. I fell asleep on the microphone for a second. Were you looking something up? Yeah, no, I was just making sure. Uh, so, so uh, apologies to all of all, all of our Australian listeners. There is an Australian baseball league. So ah, oh, and hey, why don't you look up Root while you're at it? No, I, <laughs> I knew. Yeah, that. do you doubt him on that too? <laughs> no, I knew that. I didn't know if they played baseball though. So they do. They play baseball. Don't worry, my Australian brethren. I'm here for you. <laughs> I mean, this surprises me. I mean, there, there's North American football teams in Europe. Like, sports do get around. Yeah, <laughs> just like so, Katie Casey. Hey. So I apologize for my ignorance. The only time she gets around is when she was running on the bases after a game because she loved baseball so much. What kind of bases? The the, the innuendo hadn't been established yet. Although I bet if it was, Katie was the first one to do it. She loved baseball that much. And she knew all the people by name. Which was tough in a pre-internet era. She really had to have loved the game. Oh, but you know what? I think that is about it for take me out to the ball game. I, I, you know what? I think I think we're classing this podcast up a little bit. We're discussing. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't Come feel on. classy after talking about this. We're talking about his songs of historical significance. So if this is what we talk about, discussing a baseball song, what are we going to talk about next week? <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. Who was tripping over themselves to make Jim Crow references this entire episode? I didn't trip over myself. I thought I did quite a... I, I thought I got it in there really uh, really well-timed. And I'm not touching that one. Um, 
But guys, thank you so much for listening to our little show. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Please rate and review us on iTunes. I know we have a lot of people listening on Spotify or Overcast or CastBox, uh, but if you could head over there, we'd super appreciate it. And uh, you can listen to this episode and all previous episodes in the archives on our new home on ComeHereFloyd.com, where you can also see reviews and news for all the hottest indie pop and indie rock, uh, which, as we have pointed out, uh, Total pal cleanser from our show. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yes. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Brigadier. And uh, Mr. Mike Russell, where can we find you? Yes, you can find me at Other Mr. At the ball game. <laughs> oh, nice. At uh, MrMikeRussell.com or on my Instagram at MrMikeRussell.com. That's MrMR.dot. And yeah, like Nick said, please send in your suggestions, your feedback, your. Uh, songs that you'd like us to do, and uh, what song you would most like to listen to when you're at a brothel, whether it's just an interesting one that you imagine you're. Oh, it still or... take me out of the ball game. <laughs> oh, still every time. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say "Pour Some Sugar on Me" by Def Leppard. Ooh, oh. actually, I think that'd be a great song to listen to at a brothel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's my stripper song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, what Steve's stripper name be? <laughs> Uh, let's let's save that for next week. <laughs> I'm th- I'm gonna think of it, man. I'm <laughs> and Steve, where may we find you? Uh, yeah, you may find me hoping that you don't edit out any of the context for those racist baseball jokes. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Not not racist baseball jokes. Baseball jokes about racism. Yes. Yeah. No. Seriously. Very fine point yeah. to distinguish. Uh, you may find me assuming... The source of the ridicule is the racists, okay, yeah. people? Assuming I don't get doxxed, you may find me on Twitter and Instagram at your man Trollo. That's Trollo with one L. Uh, 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 oh, really? What was that? Wait, is that a website? Is that a... Yeah, At this point, I'm just going to call it 404notfound.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and uh and yeah um tune in next week when whoo boy i'm not gonna have fun (laughs) next week's gonna be exciting gonna be a blast steve uh but guys thank you so much for listening the last little no i just want to end on is um taking out to the ball game has obviously been played thousands if not millions of times now throughout history across baseball games and there's been many you know different versions of the song played as well um, including like techno dance hall remix versions of the song, uh, such as one by Captain Jack. So just so you can kind of get a sense of like how different artists have interpreted this song. Oh my God. It's- <laughs> I think that's what Jack Newerth and Tin Pan Alley back in 1908 had in mind. Up next for your stripping pleasure is Steve <laughs> Trolley Dick! <laughs> Little nipple tassels are twirling like crazy. Yeah, take it off, Steve! <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm Nick Brigadier. I'm Mike Russell. The top's still spinning. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>